Do I have your attention? 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 Is you taking notes? Three, two, one. We about to go off, off, off. When the speakers go blow, blow, blow. Everybody turn up, up, up. It's about to go down, down, down. Make the whole room spin, spin, spin. Turn the bass up loud, loud, loud. We about to go in, in, in. And we can't stop now, now, now. Fuck it up. Dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't. Dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't. Dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't. Do I have your attention? Fuck it up. Dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't. Dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't. Dance. Don't stop. Do I have your attention? I was chilling in the club, looking cute all by myself. I saw my ex looking a mess and pressed up on somebody else. So I strutted up to the dance floor and I took off my earrings. I did a kick into a split and showed him what he was missing. Like, do I have your attention? 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 Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't dance. Do I have your attention? I was treading in the gym, looking like a F in 10. When I saw my ex again, his new bay was a seven. So I twirled up to those weights, put these cakes in his face. I did a squat, my butt said bam, and his new man said, Girl, goddamn. This shit jelly, it ain't jam. They say thick, I say yes, ma'am. Then I serve him a shablam. Where my phone? Get my cam. This body on the gram like that's how bad a bitch I am now. Do I have your attention? 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 This is a fuck boy PSA. Talk to the left hand, talk to the left hand, cause you ain't right. Which one of you motherfuckers I'ma fuck tonight? You staring, you staring, my booty know you see him. And tell your new boyfriend to stay out of my DMs. You heard me, stay out of my DMs. You so nasty. Stay out of my DMs, stay out of my DMs, my DMs, my DMs. BFF.FM Community Radio for San Francisco. You're on Baytime in our new time slot. And I feel like I'm already talking a little bit too loud for midnight. What do you think, Poyo? Should I like dial it back? I don't know. Hi, everyone. I'm Poyo Delmar. I'm currently in the studio with. Christopher J. Beale. <laughs> and you're listening to BFF.FM <laughs> After Dark. I'm so sorry for those of you that are tuning in for our amazing celebrity interview we have coming up later in the show. It's amazing. But we definitely have to start with Happy Pride Month, Poyo Happy Delmar. Pride Month, Christopher J. Beale. It is officially the biggest gayest month of them all. And uh, the biggest gayest radio show of them all has moved to midnight uh, just for the occasion. Midnight on Thursdays from now on. Uh, so when you get up Thursday, if you have that RSS linked in your feed, it'll be in your podcast player. Or you can just click play at BFF.FM. This show is huge. We wanted to pull out all the it's stops. A huge. It's a girthy show we 
have today. Oh my God, um, size queens, it's for you. I promise that she'll stop talking like this eventually. Eventually. <laughs> when she starts getting all shy around Todrick Hall, who is our guest <laughs> yes, on this is. show tonight, which is really, really exciting. Todrick's going to be playing Sonoma County Pride on June 26th. Um, I'm definitely going to go see this show. And if uh, you don't have tickets for that, you should get them. They went on sale June 1st. Just look for Sonoma County Pride and we'll put a link down in the description. What are you most excited to talk to Todrick Hall about? I am most excited to talk to Todrick about um, dating. I'm like, I'm single and ready to mingle, plump and looking for a Pringle. Mm. But so are, I, are you saying you're planning to hit on Todrick Hall during the show? Today? I've hit on Todrick Hall for like 10 years. I'm not going to stop just because he's on the radio. Damn. Come okay. on now. Chris fair. All right. That's fair. <laughs> At least you're stating your intentions up front. I don't I know mean, if Todrick's going to hear this part of the show. But I'm consistent. I'm sorry in advance, Todrick. Senate candidate Eric Curry, who's uh, a queer San Franciscan gun guy, uh, is going to run for Nancy Pelosi's House seat. And uh, he's been a guest on Baytime. He's going to pop by a little bit later on. This is really, really late for him, you know, because he's like, well, I mean, you know, political bankers hours, you know, so but he's going to stop by uh, probably around 1.30 tonight. And he wants uh, those after hour votes too, girl. Of course. Yeah. After hours, people vote. Um, so around 1.30, 1.40 ish, um, we'll have uh, Eric Curry stop by and tell us what he's up to. And uh, we're adding a new segment that is going to be the next thing you hear tonight on Baytime, um, just so that we can kind of just riff on what's going on in the gay community. Look at us just expanding now that we're after dark. That's just because of all the carbs. So we'll check the gay news, uh, some info about um, the founder of the White Party passing away. We'll unpack uh, that. And um, our girl, Miss Leslie Jordan, I knew I smelled gin in regret, got a really big honor. And uh, it was really cool to uh, just live through her face watching her enjoy that so we'll talk about that that's coming up in the gay news todrick hall is here eric curry is here this is our first show at midnight happy pride month from on bay time myself in the afternoon won't get out until the water's cold and i am blue i see it i'm killing doubts so I just open up the door and I ring it out. Don't you get too far from yourself? You're so hard on yourself. Oh, you get through only hard when you say it's too hard. Oh! 
FF.FM FF.FM Community Radio for San Francisco. I'm Christopher Beal. That's my buddy Poyo Del Mar. This is Pride Month on Baytime. It's our love letter to San Francisco's LGBTQIA community and, um, you know, gays everywhere. Like wherever you're listening, we love you and we're glad you're tuned in. Todrick Hall is going to be here coming up in just a few minutes, but we wanted to get to uh, a little bit of the gay news or the gay agenda, if you will. Did, yeah. Do you get your gay agenda newsletters, Poyo? I, I, I am my own. Own gay agenda, darling. I don't. I don't need a newsletter to update me on what I think. That's a newsletter idea. The Poyo agenda. 
I could, I mean, I'm, I think that uh, people on social media already know my agenda. So follow me on social media. <laughs> Jeffrey Sanker, the founder of the White Party, died in West Hollywood. LA Times said he'd been fighting liver cancer. He got his start producing and promoting events at Palladium and at Studio 54 in New York, moved to LA in 1987. Um, Jeffrey Sanker was a philanthropist, and some of the proceeds from the Palm Springs version of his White Party, which ran for more than 30 years, went to organizations like the Trevor Project and others. Um, in addition to that Palm Springs event, Sanker also organized large gay events in Miami. Miami, Las Vegas, and Mexico, including that New Year's Eve super spreader event, Nuevo Vallarta, that went viral last year. See what I did there? Yeah. Uh, Sanker's white parties were legendary, but also controversial for their lack of diversity. What's in a name? Jeffrey Sanker, the founder of the white party, died last Friday. He was 65. Pollo, have you ever been to a white party? I have never been to a white party. Um, never was interested in a white party, even when I was strung out on drugs. It just wasn't my scene. But one of my dear friends in Los Angeles was Jeffrey's like right hand person. Uh, I, I know her as Chanelta. His real name is Anil Patel, but he was very close with Jeffrey for many years and was integral in producing these events. So, you know, there, there is definitely a controversy behind the white party. I think that they could have promoted it perhaps a little bit differently um, in terms of the diversity that they would show on their posters and signage and things of that nature. But I also think that there's just a, like perhaps a lack of diversity in the people who were specifically interested in attending this type of event. So I think that they played hand in hand perhaps. Yeah. I, but do you, do you think that a lot of that has to do with the destination nature and the affordability of these events that they're just not accessible to, to uh, people that we would like to see represented because of their pricing and because of the way they're set up and I don't want to trash the man after his death. That's not what I'm trying to no, do. No, not at all. You know, and I think it is that, important. I, I think that's something that plagued him during his lifetime. I also find that the whitewashing of people's memories when they unfortunately do pass is something that irritates the living shit out of me in general because you just because a person has passed away does not change the nature of who they were in their their life. Now, that isn't to state that Jeffrey was anything but a pleasant person or whatever. And I don't know that specifically, despite the fact that I have interviewed him in the past, I, I did not know him on a personal level like that. But I think that affordability and the kind of a cost prohibitive nature of these things could have played into the lack of diversity that was present in these environments. I think that also that these were circuit events. I think if you are not specifically interested in circuit music or things of that nature, I think that that would have been prohibitive, meaning right. that people would just would not have wanted to come. So perhaps um, younger generations of people that where we are seeing a greater deal of diversity within the community in terms of ethnicity and background and things of that nature, I, I don't think that circuit music widely appeals to those individuals. So uh, it's a scenario that kind of is a a snake eating its own tail, like one creates the other and then the other just feeds into it. Yeah. Uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, in, right. in the form of advertising. I, I do know that, you know, I I have friends of various backgrounds who attended the white party. But again, I think that the idea of the circuit party in its nature is a, a little bit limiting, especially in the United States. Outside of the United States, I think we see a far greater deal of diversity at circuit parties and whatever. But I think that the type of music and the nature of those environments cater to a very specific type of person. 
Speaking of which, I want to segue. This is not something that I have in the gay news, but it's related. So let's talk about it really quick. Um, have you been seeing a lot of this uh, backlash on social media about uh, who does and does not belong at Pride and what does and does not belong at Pride? Have you been seeing a lot of this? Um, mm. People are talking about uh, wanting to remove kinks from Pride. Um, of course, there's been the, there's been over the last couple of years a call to not allow uniformed police at Pride. Um what do you what do you make of when people start trying to get exclusionary at Pride? It's very interesting. Those are two different, very two very different issues. Those but, are yeah. wildly um, disparate, different points of view. And removing kinks from Pride is one thing that I don't see that is necessarily a viable option. I can understand the re- reasoning behind people wanting to remove the um, the police force in some capacities from Pride because. Traditionally, many of the marginalized groups within the pride umbrella are not so comfortable with the police, particularly at this point in time. And I think that um, perhaps the idea, what I would hope would stem from that more than anything is a, a reparative stage between the presence of police and the feelings of the people that are affected by that. But I don't know that that's going to happen in the short term. What I would like to see removed from pride a great deal is the corporatization of it. Mm -hmm. I think that if corporations would like to contribute to a pride event because they feel supportive of the LGBTQ community, I think that they can do that monetarily. I do not need to see 40,000 floats with, you know, the 12 people at Google. Uh, Actually, Google, (laughs) Google is a bad example because Google is a a large, they have a huge workforce, the Google gagglers, but you know, like we, we see it on an ongoing basis. There's every year in pride, there'll be, so many 24 Kaiser Permanente employees. Yes. And yeah. I, I think if you, for example, want to support pride financially and you're a corporation, do it, make your contribution, but that doesn't necessarily have to be with Involve you. your corporate logos everywhere. Yeah. On a float. I saw a meme that I thought summed that up really well the other day. And it was uh, somebody standing out in front of a store that had rainbow stuff all over the sign. And it says, why are you doing this? And the shopkeeper said money. Yeah. And absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Absolutely. You know, the, this time of year is one where people who would never otherwise support the LGBTQ community are putting out rainbow t-shirts and things of that nature because it's money. It's money that they want and and they would not protect or court or support that our community of people otherwise. But when there's a dollar attached, they're very interested in that. So true. All right, let's shift to some uh, some good news. You guys might remember uh, Leslie Jordan. Might remember Leslie Jordan, <laughs> who played Beverly Leslie on Will and Grace. The actor, amongst comedian, many, 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 many other things, has been around forever. And uh, of course, Leslie Jordan saw a resurgence in popularity when he took to social media during the pandemic. Hilarious. Really funny stuff. Well, Leslie Jordan got a huge honor recently. He got to sing center stage at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, which is a big deal for a country boy. Take a listen. If I was a hunker downer, I tell you what I'd do. I'd hunker right on down and work on a building too. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. I'm working on a building. Jordan performed that with Vince Gill and Charlie Warsham. I'll link to that video 
in the description. Poyo, I'm just living for Leslie Jordan up on stage here in her fringe fabulousness on that stage. How about you? I love Leslie Jordan and Leslie is hilarious and just everything that um, I think sets him up to be this iconic legend within our LGBTQ community, but beyond that as well, people appreciate his really hilarious sense of humor. He's also quite a lovely person. I, I'm he is. He is. He's a. He's a hugger. He's so, very sweet. So so fun. So funny to be around, and of and, course, and his best stories, by the way, are the ones that he does not share publicly. Oh yes, like his best stories. Ask are, him why he got shot by a bow and arrow. It's a great story. Ask him about, <laughs> you know, ask him why he had to stop drinking. Like that. That's a good one I too. I think those like, stories are related. Actually, I'm sure that they are. <laughs> and you know, Leslie, uh, first, I think popped up on everybody's radar as I best remember him long before the Will and Grace thing by being in Sorted Lives, the film by yes, Del Shores. I almost forgot and, about that. You know, playing brother boy in Sorted Lives. And I don't know how anybody could forget that. Um, I need to have my friend Del on, who's the director, writer of that show. Don't you tease me with all these. Like, I, I, I'll have him come on and tell all the Leslie Jordan stories. The Leslie Jordan stories, the Delta Burke stories, what if we the Rue McClanahan stories. What if Leslie Jordan? Like, we can get Leslie Jordan uh, on I, the show. Well. She, she'd come hang out. I think so. This she is, like, this she is likes, her hours. She likes being late. She likes, like, being up late at night and yeah. all those good things. But don't sell my friend Del Short. He's amazing. No, well, there's just room for everybody. Del Shores. Don't sell Del Shores. Del Shores. Shores. Don't sell Del Shores. <laughs> okay, that's the gay news. We're going to shut up now. We're going to play a little bit of music and uh, get everything working technically behind the scenes here because Todrick Hall is going to join us in just a few minutes. Come on, Todrick. On Baytime. Trouble face, headphones on, forgetting time and place. All you want Feeling stuck, set and free Running out of luck, on the sneeze First time I kissed a boy, and now we're never known Cover up is what they told
Baytime, BFF.FM. It's new from Lil Nas X. Sun Goes Down is on Baytime on BFF.FM.
FF.FM, you're on Bay Time. This is Community Radio for San Francisco, and we encourage you to become a bestie. The info is right there on the homepage. BFF.FM helps support this great radio station and uh, the work they do in the community that allows us to do shows like on Bay Time. Poya Del Mar, it's Pride Month, and mm-hmm. we couldn't do Pride Month without going over the top because it's it's the first Pride Month for this radio I show. I can't do Pride Month without going under a top. Hey! <laughs> I was going to use that as a segue, but I would completely lose the respect of, oh, of our guest. Um, talk a little bit about who we are about to talk to, because you, I mean, I'm a Todrick fan, but you are like an encyclopedic Todrick fan. Well, yeah, because I've followed Todrick's career. Todrick's career trajectory has been incredible because so many of the people that we've seen, for example, who get their start from something like an American Idol where Todrick competed and did very well, but certainly didn't, didn't win. win yeah. Or, yeah. Did, or didn't take that coveted number two slot that seems yeah, to be really the, successful. That's the, yeah. yeah, exactly. So Todrick didn't even get close to that, but it gave him this national platform where is around that time is actually when I met him and initially. And, you know, from there, he's gone on to become a tremendous musical artist, putting out a catalog of favorites among the LGBTQ community and beyond. We see him on a regular basis now as one of the primary judges on RuPaul's Drag Race for the last number of years. And he is a a very valued contributor to RuPaul's musical career as well. I think Mm -hmm. in many ways, he would almost be seen by some as the successor to RuPaul because as RuPaul's musical career is winding down, he's been doing these collaborations with her. And I, I think that in some ways has taken on what sound people were associating with the latter part of her career. It reminds me a lot of the the, the runway style of Pose. Like it's very right. well, um, diva centric and heavy beats and, and that, fabulous. That is, that's where RuPaul came from. Like that type of Vogue scene is what launched the career of RuPaul among others. We forget how long ago this was. That was, I was a college student. We're talking like 1991, 92 is when Supermodel of the World came out. We're talking a very long time ago. And it happens to coincide with some of the time frame that was most associated with the Vogue and Ball scene. Yeah, absolutely. Our guest is probably no stranger to you if you're listening to this. I'm really excited to welcome to the show Todrick Hall. This is such an email line, but how does this interview (laughs) find you in 2021? I'm all right. I think that I needed time to decompress and like I, I had, 
you know, been saying yes to everything. I have a huge case of the imposter syndrome and I'm always so grateful that an opportunity is given to me that it's hard for me to say no to things. And I think I needed to take time and remember that I'm a human, not a robot and stop and relax and work on my relationships with my friendships and my family. So it was very, very helpful for me and necessary for me, but I'm really, really excited to get back to life as it were. And the idea that I'm going to be performing live anywhere in the near future is just really exciting because at the end of the day, I grew up dancing and doing theater. I'm a Broadway kid. I love being on stage. I love feeling the uh, energy from an audience and I love meeting my fans. Is there anything uh, during quarantine that you found particularly helpful in, in keeping you with a creative mind sane? Like how, how did you stay sane during all of that? Well, I started therapy for the first time in my entire life. I've never gone to therapy ever. And I think in the neighborhood that I was raised in, in Texas, it was just such a, a strange conversation. And I think a lot of times, statistically, people in African-American community, uh, we've just been known not to um, not to go through therapy because that's not something that our parents were raised with. And it, it was really, really, really helpful for me because there was a lot of things that I've been holding on to. And so I feel just recharged and refreshed. And I think that's the thing that helped me get through it. Also, I'm a huge fan of Big Brother. So on a completely <laughs> surface level, I got to sit down and watch Big Brother. I also bought a house during quarantine and uh, during the pandemic. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, I mean, it was life changing. I cried when I got the keys. And um, I watched so many documentaries about generational wealth and how it's something that uh, oftentimes people in our community don't have. I looked at my own family uh, and throughout my lineage, like no one in my family had ever really owned their own property. And so I decided to to change that. I found the house, fell in love with it. And, um, and so I've just been over the past six months, you know, trying to make the house mine and furnishing it. And it's just been a crazy journey, but that has been one of the things that I feel like proudest of during the pandemic is that I was able to get property and I'm, I'm a man of a certain age and I want to get married and have kids and start a life. And so I felt like this was my first step at adulthood. So that, um, that that felt really great. Girl, you're not old. <laughs> I'm 36, 36 and uh, I feel like oh, one of those people. Oh no, like, no, she didn't. Oops, did no. she get disconnected? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when you are in this industry, I know that you all know that like, you know, when I started dancing, I remember people talking about how short the life of a, a dancer, a performer, a Broadway actor was. It's really, really difficult. Um, so you start to feel like you're 75 when you turn 30 because <laughs> it, it, like there's certain ways that you could tumble and split and stuff that your body just is like, okay, your days are numbered. You can't be doing this forever. And so, um, and, and so that's probably why I feel like 36 and creeping up on 40 is, is a very scary thing for people uh, in this industry. But I really honestly am very happy with where I am. And I mean, would anybody, I think everybody would ask for more time if you could, but um I really take advantage of every single day and I feel like I make the best out of, you know, every, every day, every week, every hour that I, I'm given. You're talking about like, not just something that we experience. I think if you're an entertainer that there's like that shelf life for you, but I think there's also a perceived shelf life if you are a queer person, a, a queer person right? <laughs> like, especially a gay man, because there's like, Oh, I got to strike while the iron's hot before 
things go to, you know, to, to pot, the body goes to pot or whatever. Gravity. But more than that, like one of the things <laughs> I, I would say here is you are talking about this from a perspective of an entertainer, but very recently over the last number of years, you've worked so extensively with RuPaul who has possibly passed that, you know, a uh, woman of a certain age you know, <laughs> requirement. Her career has such tremendous longevity mm-hmm. and legs. And would it not be possible that you could take from that example and that working relationship to kind of give yourself that added legs for your career? Absolutely. And Ru- RuPaul is one example. And also Billy Porter, I feel, is like thriving more than he ever was. And so I definitely think that that is the thing. I think, you know, when you grow up in a world where there's not very much representation and you feel like things are already hard, I feel like I feel that same pressure that people feel just as a queer person and in, in entertainment uh, a performer. But then also I feel it to the max because I'm like, there's already not that many opportunities for us. But now I feel that things are changing and kind of at, a, you know, a decently rapid pace. And so I'm really super optimistic. And also my dreams have always been to write musicals and produce musicals on Broadway. And so that's something that's ageless. So I I definitely feel like I have time to do those things. But um, I don't know. I want to have children and I don't want to be that person that's showing up to first grade and I'm 75 years old. So (laughs) I want to have them where I can still run around and play with them. And, you know, like I want to be that that guy. So um, I... (laughs) I don't know. I'm a mess and I'm figuring it out every, every day more and more. But um, but what you're saying is absolutely true. And that is honestly inspiring for me and gives me hope because I see RuPaul and Billy Porter. Now these people thriving and they're, they're not in their 20s and they've never been more they're popular. They're not in their 40s. Yeah, no, they're, they're not. not. They're, they're living their best life in their 50s. Amen. More with Todrick Hall on Baytime coming up in a few minutes on BFF.FM. Thanks for listening.
so gay for San Francisco? On Baytime. BFF.FM. Met a girl with a smile that I liked and her name was Kelly. Golden hair and her eyes are like I make you feel like heaven. Spent the nights when her thighs got a vibe then I got too zealous. Now she's free like a bird and I'm caught in a world of feelings. No. Guess you want me that night that you weren't ready. But then you take off your clothes, girl. You do a 180. Oh, Kelly, what you doing? Cause I'm playing with my heart before you tear it right apart. Oh, Kelly, know you're going through it. But won't you tell me to come over? Cause you cry right on my shoulder. like um, my studio is a little nicer dark the ambiance yeah, got the good lighting going todrick hall is our guest you're on baytime on bff.fm todrick during quarantine you released an album called quarantine queen whereas a lot of people were like hiding you were working tell me about quarantine queen well that was a time when i, I remember rushing to put that out and feeling like quarantine's only gonna last for a month we gotta strike wild iron spot <laughs> and at that time the, the idea that it would last for a year was just unfathomable to me but i just saw everything happening and i saw everyone getting on tiktok and everyone trying to figure out how they were going to work out with the gyms not being open and everyone becoming obsessed with tiger king and so i was like <laughs> this is just such a crazy moment that needs to be documented right now like there's no way i can let this experience go i mean like this is something that i do you can go through my youtube page and kind of relive so many moments from us fighting for marriage equality to you know the, the first time you know 
Barack Obama became president. You know, I, I, I have just been documenting life for the past like 15 years on social media. And so I felt like I needed to make a, my, my own Todrickified quarantine album. And so I made it and I, I, I thought five people were going to listen to it. And it, it honestly made um, a huge impact. It made people smile and want to get up and dance because I know that a lot of people were super depressed and trying to figure out where, what the hell we were all doing um, during that time. So it was really fun. And I, I had a good time doing it and figuring out how I was going to shoot music videos with dancers when we weren't allowed to see each other. So shipping costumes to people and teaching them choreography via Zoom and stuff. It was kind of, it was an exciting task for me. So I had a really good time doing it. Do you have a favorite song off of that album? Probably Mascot is my favorite song off of that album. Did they cancel this field trip? Did they cancel this graduation? Did they cancel this? I didn't think they could cancel this. You better dance, dance, I drink. You better dance, dance, I drink. You better dance, dance, I drink. What? You better. You could be my Come on up, she on a spree, she wanna stop everything. So dance if you're on our team, the class of COVID 19. Yo, school's out, but it ain't no vacation. Got the no graduation. I'm on team quarantine and it's time to face it. Got a bomb prom gown and I'm not gonna waste it. So the prom's still on, but it's in the kitchen. Netflix game strong, ain't a thing we missing. I'm a quarantine queen. You won't catch me with my mask off. If you got one, baby, maybe you can be my mascot. Toilet paper pom poms. Netflix chilling with them watching us around. Come be my dick a prom prom. I think a brother with a mask hot. You could be my mascot. With a mascot, you could be my mascot. You gotta dance, dance, I drink. Hey, you gotta dance, dance, I drink. Hey. You gotta dance, dance, I drink. Hey. You gotta, you could be my So they cut the school play, no intermission. Champion cheerleaders, no competition. You know, the times are crazy and the news is scary, but we still not talking like our name was Jerry. Yeah. We got this, we got this, got it. Close house party, go big, can't stop it. I'm a quarantine queen and my future about to blast off. And if you got a dream, baby, you could be my mascot. Okay. Pride Month from on Baytime. You're on BFF.FM. I'm Christopher Beale. That's my friend Poyo Del Mar sitting over there. No puggle in your lap this evening. None. It's past your bedtime, I think. 
She's sleeping. Yeah. She's snoring, which is why she's not in the room right now. Our special guest this week is Todrick Hall. And um, if you're a gay person, you probably know who Todrick Hall is. And if you don't, you should Google that. Todrick, you have such a diverse catalog of work, everything from writing your own music to doing choreography for some of your best friends like Taylor Swift, to of course being a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Where do you see the cap on your creativity? I don't know that I see there being a cap because I, I mean, I have recently like come up with an idea for a book that I think is really incredible. And, and so I'm always just trying to like grow. I think that the moment that you stop growing is the moment that like that you stop being an artist. So kind of, I don't know, every day I wake up and I'm just excited and inspired to do, to do something. And I don't feel um, like there's any reason to, I mean, people have to, I think that, my mom is um, to be credited for giving me either a great amount of delusion uh, or whatever, but my mom always um, really believed in me and taught me to believe in myself. And as I get older, I realize that there are a lot of people who are more talented than I am, but they might not have had parents to support them and the ability to believe in themselves. And that is one of the biggest things that I learned over quarantine. Sometimes you ask people what their dream is. And oftentimes we like lower our dreams and we say something that's a safer answer because we don't want people to laugh at us. And so I have really tried to like work on that during quarantine. When people ask me like, what's your ultimate goal, your ultimate dream? Like we get to live on this planet one time, allegedly. And and I don't think we should be downplaying what it is that we want to achieve or our goals and our dreams, because if you aren't, if you can't say it out loud, then that means you don't really believe it. And so, um, so right now, I don't know what that cap would be because there are so many things that I want to do. And I mean, whether it could happen or not, I genuinely believe that it will happen. So, um, so that, I mean, I don't know what my cap would be. There's a fine line that entertainers walk between, getting to do what makes them feel creatively fulfilled and the responsibility that comes with being a public figure or the perceived responsibility that comes with being a public figure of being a role model. And you've talked a lot about these things that, uh, for example, the generational wealth thing happened in your family did not have an example of that. And you became an example of that. And you talk about being um, an African-American who's getting therapy. And that is not something that the community does. And just by example, you're leading where do you feel the responsibility lies for a person who lives in the public eye because of their creativity to be a, a role model? And also, if I may add to that question, is the pressure different when you're gay famous? I think the pressure is different. I'll answer that part first. I think the pressure is different because there are not for, for heterosexual, you know, like heterosexual people just in general, not even just like white, black, but there are so many black celebrities and white celebrities. So white, like a straight person doesn't have to, they, they have such a huge library and Rolodex of people they can choose from to look up to, to idolize, to feel as an example of who they could be, to tell their stories. When, when there's such a small group, a handful of gay celebrities that do a certain thing, sometimes there are literally cases even in 2021 where you're the only person that's doing your specific thing that you're doing when there are billions of people in the world. That amount of pressure, there are just so many eyes that are looking at you. I feel oftentimes even with Rupert Paul, I think people look to her to be the queen of representation and to to advocate for everybody in the community, which is not necessarily RuPaul's responsibility, in my humble opinion. But 
they wouldn't go to other shows and demand that they cast people of a, a certain amount of people, a certain race or uh, sexual orientation because they don't feel like it's the bachelor's responsibility or big brother's responsibility or whatever, whoever's responsibility to advocate for the whole community. But when there's a small group of people, whether you want to take on the responsibility or not, you are, you're sometimes the only representation for that community. And therefore I just think there's like a lot of judgment. There's not a lot of opportunity. So a lot of people don't feel like there's a lot that, that there's enough pieces of the pie to go around. And if you have, a huge chunk of the pie, then they want you to be, they want you to represent being gay in this certain way, represent being black in a certain way. And I feel like there is a lot of pressure that comes along with that. A lot of people don't like to take on that pressure, but for me, I, I love kids. I, I grew up teaching kids how to dance and how to sing and perform. And um, I, I like taking on that responsibility, but it can be a lot of pressure because at the end of the day, you're a human being, you're growing up, you're going to make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, that defeats the purpose of growing up and experiencing life. And to make those mistakes, or sometimes they're not mistakes, but things that are perceived to be mistakes by people who are selling false stories to the media or disgruntled employees or whatever the case may be. And you have to learn and jump over these hurdles with the world watching you. And that can be very, very difficult because every single time I do an interview, like today I was nervous to get on this interview because you want to be real with people. You want to be genuine with them, but people right now we're in such a place that you could have a squeaky clean reputation for 25, 30 years. And if you say one wrong thing in one interview or something that could be politically correct today and might not be by the time this interview comes out, then people want to cancel you, disregard everything that you've ever done that was great um, because you made a mistake, which we are all making mistakes. So it's a really touchy place to be and it's very scary, but I think, all you can do is wake up and get, do, be the best version of yourself you can be that day and get 100% of what you have to give that day. And then you got to keep pushing it. And um, I was talking to Brandy when we were doing this remake of the Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella, um, which was one of the best days of my life, by the way. And she gave me some words of wisdom. And she said something to me like, this isn't a quote, but she said something uh, along the lines of, I don't ever let people convince you of something about yourself that you know not to be true. And when she, that was very close to actually what she said. <laughs> You're like, actually do quote me. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. Please, actually write that down verbatim. Um, but, but it was something like that. And it, and it meant so much to me because there have been times that I've read things about myself on the internet that I know not to be true. But for two seconds, I'm like, am I delusional? Did this shit actually happen like this? Um, and, and, and I feel like I'm a pretty self-aware human being. So it's been difficult to like navigate the, that world because sometimes you start to believe these things, but you are there. You're a human being who was actually in the room and you know who you are, you know what you did, you know what your intentions were. Um, and so that's the part that, has been difficult to navigate. That's the most difficult part. Like if you were to ask me in one of your questions, what has been the most difficult part about this journey? It would be that trying to figure out how to live life, be authentic and not let this business like corrupt you and change you and mess you up in the head while still, while still growing and being able to make mistakes. Cause if you're not making mistakes, then you're playing it too safe. I think, you know, mm-hmm. more with our guest Todrick Hall, when we return in less than 10 minutes, you're on Bay Time. Oh no, it's my luck to come up. Oh yeah, it's 
BFF.FM. You're on Baytime. This is Community Radio from San Francisco. We encourage you to support BFF.FM. Become a bestie at BFF.FM and help keep Community Radio in San Francisco alive. I'm Christopher Beal. That's Poyo Del Mar. Our guest is Todrick Hall. As a drag performer, I wanted to ask you specifically, as somebody who made a name and reputation for yourself not associated particularly with drag, what inspired you to go so drag centric in the presentation of yourself in many, many, and I would say most of your music videos? Well, that's a really good question. I think that I've always had issues and struggled with like being too feminine or being not masculine enough or whatever. Um, I think that's a huge part of African American community as well. Like we're told not to smile too much in our photos and not to, you know, like, or we're not told it directly, but like, you know, whenever I'd be with all my cousins who are all very straight and they'd all not be smiling and I'm like beveled and like, you know, with my wrist up in the air, like I'm a bossy like rocket. Um, I would always just feel uncomfortable in those situations and I think honestly uh, I I got to a place where I had to make a decision and I was dating somebody um, who assumed the the more um, oh just say it He was a bottom, goddammit. it. Yeah, all right. And uh, but, but I also like enjoyed dressing up and and play, playing all these characters. And it was really, really scary for me. And it was really liberating when we had conversations and I realized that that person would still be there for me, even if occasionally I wanted to wear a dress and heels. And it felt like it felt very free to me. And so it was it was it was crazy because I felt like I had to come out of the closet twice. I came out the first time and said, you know, I like boys. But then the second time I had to come out again to myself and to my friends and be like, I sometimes like to dress up as a woman or, or gender bending and more androgynous. And um, to me, that was like the thing that, that felt made me feel more free. And it's been difficult for me in the dating world because there are a lot of guys that are like, I'm, I'm gay. I'm not going to date anybody who is, you're telling me, sister. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge thing, and I talked to all my girls from the drag race, from drag race, and they say that same thing. And now I've just gotten to a place where I'm like, okay, I've already gone through this, and I've been on the other side of that. I've dated somebody when I was dumb and ignorant, and I, it was a guy I was super, super into. And we went out one time in West Hollywood and he came in drag and it just was really off-putting. I have to say the drag wasn't great and if the drag had been better, maybe I would have been more into it. Coming from a person who spent 15 years as a drag persona, you know, there's so many times when we, and you work with the girls from Drag Race, we would like to be able to break out of the expectation that that's all we have to offer. And then you're the flip side where you made a name for yourself. You could have easily become this adorable, beautiful pop star for our gay world. I mean, yeah, I think, but, it, you, went but you did that too. Yeah. Yeah. But right. But, <laughs> but then all of your recent stuff is you as the ultimate drag diva. You are clearly America's next drag superstar. Thank you. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. I, I, I feel that as well. And it was a decision that I made at a certain point, but it just felt right. And I, and I did it. And the, the funny thing about this is, is uh, I haven't told anybody this yet, but my favorite song on the album that just came out yesterday is the song both. It's a song about how you can be both things, masculine or feminine. One of the lines in the first stanza says, do you want the masculine or feminine side? I can do both. I can do both. And um, and I love that song because I would never have written that 
six years ago, and it felt like progress when I was writing it. I was loving all the the wordplay um, where I say I can be a princess, I could be a king, I could be forever, I could be just a fling. Uh, it, it just it, it's a really, really fun song that's all about gender bending, or it could be taken as well. You can be a top or a bottom. You can be versatile. You can be masculine or feminine. You can be somebody that someone loves forever, or you can be just a hookup. And I love that because I feel like even as gay people, we put ourselves in boxes. And I think that this is going to be an anthem that makes people want to go out and be okay with expressing their feminine side and, and without the fear that somebody is not going to like them. Because there's not a gay man in this world that doesn't want to put on a pair of pumps and pretend that they are Britney Spears or Beyonce or hasn't or isn't probably doing it as they're listening to this interview right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's exactly. not one of us, so let's just stop pretending because it's, we, all, we all love our divas. We've all wrapped a towel around our head and pretended it was weed. And we're all watching Drag Race because secretly everybody wishes that they had the courage to do what those what those queens do on that show, um, and and it takes a lot of courage and it takes that you have to sacrifice so much of your personal life and it, it takes a a lot of time to build up that value that you deserve to be loved because if someone doesn't love you because you dress up as a woman occasionally, then that love was kind of conditional to begin with, you know. Todrick, one of the things that we try to do on the on the radio show here on Baytime is uh, to put the focus on queer artists that don't get a lot of label attention that aren't in the mainstream. Uh, so I was curious, uh, you've you found success, but are there some queer artists that um, that are on your radar that you feel like should be on everybody's radar? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I don't know that these people aren't on everyone's radar, but uh, I have recently fallen in love with the, um, with Vincent. He just recently released a song with Alex Newell, and it's just like a really, really fantastic song.
BFF.FM Community Radio for San Francisco. You're on Baytime with Christopher Beale and Pollo Del Mar. Our hey. guest is Todrick Hall. And of course, it's Pride season. It's Pride Month. And the main reason we're talking to Todrick, other than your giant crush on him mm. and uh, our just general love of his fabulousness, is that he's coming to town, essentially. He's coming to Sonoma County. The Bay Area, we're going to celebrate both Pride and Todrick Hall very, very soon. Yeah, June 26th, Sonoma County Pride is happening in Sonoma County, as you might have guessed. Tickets went on sale on June 1st, just a couple of days ago. You can get those. We'll put a link to Sonoma County Pride down in the description. Todrick, if we're coming out to Sonoma County Pride on June 26th, and we are, what can we expect from your live stage show? <laughs> well, it, it's going to be very extra. There's always a ton of costumes. You said extra. I it's love extra. it. It's extra. <laughs> extra. Extra. Read all about it. And um, I like to do things that are fun and bring the party. I also have like intimate moments where I can talk to the audience about real things that are happening. And so um, it, it, I feel like if you are moved and then you want to move at a Todrick Hall concert, then I've done my job. Put your nails or hips and heels on, honey, and come out and you can have a great time. We've been waiting for this for a long time, so I don't think you're going to have a problem getting people to come out and celebrate. It's going to be a great time, and I really cannot wait. I, I wrote Straight Out of Oz, one of my favorite albums uh, years ago in 2015 or 2016, and uh, I'm so excited to revisit some of those songs and sing them again for the first time. So I hope people come out in full spirit and dress up. I'd love to see that. Um, and I, I just know that it's going to be a fantastic time. And also, thank you to whoever decided to let me be the headliner for this. I'm super, super flattered. And I would have low-key been saucy and jealous if a Wizard of Oz event had happened in 2021 and I was not invited. <laughs> so I'm really excited. And um, yeah, I, I'm just thrilled. It's going to be a blast. Todd, Drake, you do not need me to tell you this when you've got RuPaul as a mentor. But honey, as you move into the world of having done drag at a high level, you're gonna find that men either want you in the dress, they only want you out of the dress, or they want to be in the dress, honey, okay? <laughs> you know, there's no other category. They either only want you when you're not in it, they only want you when you are in it, or they want to be in it. More with Todrick Hall on Baytime coming up in a few minutes. This is BFF.FM. Down, Poyo, down! It's true. Tell me how to
BFF.FM, you're on Baytime Community Radio for San Francisco. It's Pride Month. We're on our new late night time slot. I'm Christopher Beal. That's Poyo Del Mar. Hello. Todrick Hall is on hold. <laughs> Maybe it was a bathroom break or something. We have put him through kind of a rigorous interview here. Um, we want to talk to Todrick about dating because is he available i need to know well there's poyo's motivation uh, mine is i'm just curious about how difficult dating is as a, a, a famous gay i mean well i could tell you you could just ask me oh, oh you meant todrick sorry we'll, we'll get real expert advice <laughs> yeah, on yeah, i know dating as a famous gay coming up with todrick hall on daytime Listening to BFF.FM on Bay Time. I'm Poya Omar. That's Christopher J. Beale, and we are here with our very special guest, Tadra Call. What is dating like as as a gay celebrity? Like, what is it like just trying to have your needs met out on the road or even at home? Like, what? Not our needs met. Oh, well, you, you're, you're not even needs met. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's really, really hard, and it's scary. You have people that you know, like, are I don't know. It's it's it, 
it's very strange to be in a world where most of the people, like whoever I'm going to marry, there's a good likelihood that they know who I am and I don't know that they exist yet. Unless it's my boyfriend, by the way, which I just posted last week that I have a boyfriend now and somebody I've been dating for a year and a half. Yes, congratulations. Thank well, you. I will retract my future offer to go out. Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for rejecting me so heartily. Oh, <laughs> uh, But this is the thing. I don't trust people very easily these days. And so he had to jump through a lot of hurdles and it's difficult because his friends were all giving him advice, but his friends are not in my position and the people that they're dating aren't in my position. So it's really difficult because he realized that he's like, this is like a specific journey that I have to go on by myself and it has to be just me and Todrick and my friends can show their support, but they don't understand. And it, it is crazy. And you are bringing so much to the table. And when there's money and success involved, like, I think that sometimes it can just be like um, a scary thing to trust people because there are definitely, you know, people, even since I bought this house, there have been so many thirsty boys that have come a knocking and slide into DMs. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not that type of person. I would never date somebody so that I could live in their house. But there are a lot of people out there who are like that. Girl, don't I know. And, and it's hard. It is really, really, really hard. And I'm such a hopeless romantic. I just want to be in love. I want to get married to somebody with a big old booty that loves to sit around and watch <laughs> movies as much as I do and, and who loves musical theater. And, um, you know, there have been so many times where I thought I found the one and it just wasn't, you know, right. And it, it should be difficult. But um, I talked to Taylor so many times. She's been my therapist about the people that I date. And I need somebody so specific. And one day she said something to me along the lines of, like, I know that it's really hard, but just think about this. You don't have to find 10 people who are the right person for you. You only need one person. You only need to find one person that is the right person mm-hmm. for you, which made me, gave me a lot of hope because sometimes I'm like, there's not that many guys that are out there like that. She's like, you don't need to find that many guys. You just need to find one person who respects you, who has the same, you know, the same moral and ethic compass that you have. And that advice was really, really helpful because I was like, yeah, that's right. I only need to find one person who gets me and then that could be my person. And, um, Right now, I think that David could be that person, but it is, it's really, 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 really hard. Uh, people say this will date another celebrity, but there's not that many gay, you know, celebrities. And, uh, so it's, it, it, it's difficult to, to do it, but, um, Girl, be leery getting the, that romantic advice from Taylor Swift. We we love her music yeah, because like, she, she has like whole the albums success. about how she's really not good at this. I don't know. You should look into her uh, her catalog. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. I think Taylor's actually like really good at relationships. And the thing is, she she I don't feel like she. I think that she has been like very very. Um, mature in the way that she's like handled her relationships, especially recently. It's been incredible to watch her grow. And she, she, I don't know, either she gives me great, great, great advice where love is concerned. And so I just really appreciate it because she is one of the few people in this world that, that, that as a friend of mine, that, that I can listen to and value their opinion where, where it comes to dating, because she is one of the most famous people in the world. And somehow she has, found love and feels like she's appreciated and valued and if she can do it being one of the biggest stars in the world then that makes me feel like I can definitely do it too. Yeah I mean I actually when you were talking earlier about how difficult it is to 
um, navigate what people say about you versus what you know about yourself. Your friendship with Taylor Swift came to mind because she is the ultimate of that. Like people undoubtedly questioning what people say about her versus what her reality is. Yeah. And and I think her reality is just, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you just said. Todrick, other than Sonoma County Pride, what are you really looking forward to in 2021? Yeah. Um, well, Big Brother is coming back on on July 7th. And I, <laughs> oh, he did. Uh, <laughs> he did. That's something I'm looking forward to. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, the drag performers perform to my new songs that have come out. When I'm writing the songs, sometimes I try to put like little lyrics in there that I know the drag queens can bring to life because I feel super supported by the drag community when it comes to the songs and the group numbers and stuff. I can't wait to see little kids dancing to my music. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's really, really exciting. And I think that every single time an artist puts out music and they, they go into the studio to say, okay, what do I want to say now after two years um, since it's been that, that Nail Turning Skills and House Party One came out? I just, I was like, I don't know what I want to sing about and what I want to say. And now I'm really, really excited just to see the reaction. I'm so nervous uh, to hear what people are saying. But so far, people seem to be loving it. And uh, I'm getting a lot of support online. So I'm really, really excited uh, to, to see how this progresses and to see all the choreography videos and the TikToks and stuff. Um, I'm I'm thrilled, and I hope I get to meet you two when I'm there. Please come backstage. So Todrick, you and I met years ago. <laughs> we did. This is before you were famous, though. It's okay. Oh my goodness. Well, also, I don't have a picture of you right now in person, so I'm sure when if I see you, you seem like a person that would have made a lasting impact, baby. So I'm, I'm sure I will remember you when I see you. Would you ever go on Celebrity Big Brother like Michelle Visage <gasps> did? Yes. Well, here's the tea. They asked me to do Celebrity Big Brother one time. And I really, really wanted to do it. But A, the scheduling was like a little wonky, but I could have changed it. But I was just so nervous. I got advice from some of my friends that were like, maybe don't go right now. And I wish that I had gone just because I'm such a huge fan of the show. I was just talking about this last night with some friends. So if they were to ask me again, it would be very difficult for me not to go on it because I love that show and I love the game so much. And I just think Julie Chen is iconic. And I just want to see her <laughs> with her outfits on and stuff. I, I've gone through the show a couple of times. I'm friends with Frankie Grande and Tommy Brocco and uh, Bailey and so many of the people. I've just like stalked them on the internet. And now we're, we're good friends. And um, I, yeah, I, I definitely would, would do it again. I, I, when, when they asked me to do it the first time, I had never seen the show. So I watched the show to do research on it. I had seen, obviously, clips of Michelle Visage and, like, Tiffany Pollard, who is, like, the queen of reality television. Um, her monologue about Gemma, just, like, that Bob the Drag Queen actually introduced me to, just literally just gets me there every single time. Um, but now that I'm obsessed with the show, if I if they ask me again, I would just tell everybody to put everything on hold. I'm going to the Big Brother house. So <laughs> <laughs> if it ever See, happens, please keep this footage and roll this tape. I believe like when you really want something, you just say it to the universe and the whole world, the whole universe will conspire to make it happen for you if you I want it badly that. enough. Well, listen, I, I would love to be on Big Brother universe to make it happen. Kind of got a new thing. Yeah. Something out of nothing. Heaven is a curse inside my mind. Running in the circles of your eyes. Nowhere else to run. 
time A nightmare A daydream Oh baby What was I thinking A moment Now fleeting Let's do the chance To just be lovely BFF.FM Closed my eyes So I couldn't see it Felt so numb But now I'm ready to feel it So tonight I'm making friends With all the creatures that are hiding there Under my bed I ain't gonna hold on to these monsters
Bayside.fm Community Radio for San Francisco. You're on Baytime. I'm Christopher Beale. That's Poyo Del Mar. Todrick Hall, thank you so much for making time for us. Of course. Anytime. And I'm actually open on the 26th, so I might come to Sonoma. Please, please do. She's open right now. I can tell you. I'm sitting right next to her. <laughs> it's <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. I need to come there and do this with you all in person. We need to do another like yes. little backstage podcast interview because that would be really fun. 100% down. Yes. You are also just adorable, P.S. And so talented. <laughs> it's like you've got that smile, those eyes, that voice. I need enough to make a girl's pants just drop. <laughs> and then you could, and if they weren't so large, you could just pick them up and put them right on. Oh my god! Oh okay. my god! You are out of control. On that note, I'm gonna go get to work. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you. And I'll see you Thank you so time. much. Okay. All right, great one. Bye. Crazy nut. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
two minutes on Baytime, Senate candidate Eric Curry, you might remember him from a few weeks ago, he stops by the studio for our first late night on Baytime to update you on what he's doing for Pride Month and how you can help. This is BFF.FM. Waiting and waiting for something that ain't too complicated. When I should have looked and I guess I've been looking in all the wrong places. FM, you're on Baytime. It's community radio for San Francisco and the gayest radio show ever in the gayest month of the year. It's Pride Month with on the gayest co host ever. You? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you've, I think that's proven out. It was really great to chat with Todrick Hall earlier on the show. Yeah, thing. And the replay will be available forever at BFF.FM, um, which is about how many times. Poyo will go back and listen to it, I think. I will. <laughs> Just to obsess. But it is Pride Month here in San Francisco, and there's not an organized Pride Festival like there would be in a, quote, normal, unquote, year. All we need is Juanita Moore's Pride Party. But there's also a lot of stuff going on um, outside of the party scene. Uh, there's community events. There's community activism, all stuff that's really important to the LGBT community. Uh, joining us on Baytime to chat a little bit more about his plans for Pride Month is Eric Curry, who is running for Nancy Pelosi's House seat 
Um, he's joining us here on Baytime. Hey, Eric. So happy to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. This is your first time visiting us at such a late hour. <laughs> it's, Very late it's, hour. It's not as bright and we're not at the ferry building, but we're we're still in a good mood because it is Pride Month. We've already talked to Todrick Hall tonight. So this show has been so much fun. But you uh, specifically give us a little background on who you are for people that maybe didn't hear your appearance, which you should totally listen to on Baytime. So we got very in-depth, but um, just reintroduce yourself to folks that might be new to the show. Yeah, my name is Eric Curry, and I am running for Congress in California's 12th District, San Francisco. Who currently holds that seat? The seat is currently held by the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) (laughs) She's the current occupant. She is the current occupant of that seat. So more on that on uh, Eric's episode of On Baytime, so definitely check that out. But I invited you here to talk about... Pride Month, because you 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 and I chat pretty regularly since you've been on the show, and you've told me that you're planning a bunch of stuff around Pride Month. What are you working on? What's, what's your deal for Pride Month? My deal for Pride Month is I want San Francisco to lead a national movement promoting inclusivity of all members of the LGBTQ community. What do you mean specifically by that? Well, San Francisco, we are so notorious. We're so, we have that... Um, we have that title and that status, that label of being the progressive city, the, you know, the city that's so welcoming to, you know, queer people. But unfortunately, that's not so true for, it's not, we're not an, a community that is inclusive of all members of our community. Let's call it what it is. Our community is very, uh, tends to glorify hyper-masculinity and whiteness, uh, specifically white maleness. And I want to, like I said, last year, when Pride happened last year, it was smack dab in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement. And it seemed like that was on everyone's mind. That was at the forefront of everyone's mind. Last year, I was very honored to be part of the People's March on, we didn't have the normal, you know, Pride Month, the the Pride Day. The Pride Budget. Pride Parade, right, that everybody, you know, is so accustomed to we had a solidarity march and solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. And now that things are opening up, now that things are going back to quote unquote normal, my fear is that we are forgetting really where our movement started. If you want to go back to Stonewall, but even before Stonewall, right here in San Francisco at Compton's Cafeteria, that was a movement led by trans women of color. And they deserve at the, a seat at the table that they fought so hard to create. Yeah, many seats. Many seats. And so I really, and there's, there's specific things that I would like San Francisco to do. And I think that it's our job to kind of lead this movement. Things like, I'd like, to, I'd like us to start hanging up the all-inclusive pride flag. Not, you know, the generic one. The one that's inclusive of all members. LGBTQ the entire spectrum of what it means to be queer and LGBTQ. Um, I would be, I would like the caster to include more safe spaces for non-binary folks, femmes, um, trans individuals, people of color. A lot of the way that the caster does their advertising, a lot of the events that they put, that they put on and in a lot of the staff that they hire is really speaking to one demographic of people. And we are a community that is very rich, that is very 
we it's a rainbow for a reason. No, it really is. Yeah. yeah, and we need to we need to do a better and job. And also, white is not a stripe on the rainbow. There you go. To be clear, there you go. Exactly. Well, white <laughs> is the absence of color, and then isn't black like of all colors put together? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't, I don't have my color wheel two. with me, but I think, yeah, I think, I think your, your logic is correct. No, it, it definitely, we talked a little bit earlier on the show before you got here about uh, Jeffrey Senker dying and the, the legacy of the white party and its exclusionary nature. Um, it, so it seems to me to almost be a problem, not almost, it seems to me to be a problem across the board with the gay community, but uh, locally at home, nowhere more visible than, than the Castro. It, it does feel like a space designed for uh, for white gays and um, everyone else, I have many friends. Welcome to hang out. <laughs> I have I see, and because of my privileges, you know, as a mixed race male, um, I'm blind to a lot of these things. I, I walk in in you know different circles than than many of my friends do. But I have many trans friends um, and black you know queer friends and queer friends of color who do not feel welcome in the Castro, and many of them have gone as far as to say they don't feel safe. And I think that that's absolutely unacceptable in a city like San Francisco where we're supposed to be the trendsetters for movements like the queer liberation movement, you know, for civil rights, you know, the same streets where Harvey Milk used to walk. Yeah. Then people are feeling unsafe there in 2021. It means we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do, and um, we can't forget the progress that we have made, but it means we do not have the privilege of being complacent. Because what happens to the most vulnerable mem- the most vulnerable members of our community happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. It's, Absolutely. It, it's a pain that we all share. Speaking of pain, which is the most sad segue ever, um, I'm from Orlando. And uh, coming up on June 12th, um, we're coming up on the, the anniversary of the Pulse nightclub massacre, um, which, you know, to this day, it's people still debate whether or not it was a hate crime. Gay people don't debate whether or not it was a hate crime, but um, it's a really sad anniversary, but a really important one as it falls in the middle of Pride Month. A lot of of remembrances. It's a hard day for me um, to just, I wake up that day just funky every day. Um, What are you doing? I know you're you're working on something for June 12th. What are you doing? My campaign, we're actually doing a vigil at Dolores Park um, for the five-year anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting. Um, something that I very rarely hear talked about was absolutely it was a hate crime. It was at a gay club. But what people fail to add is that it was also Latino night. It was a night where predominantly the individuals that were patronizing the club and overwhelmingly the people that were killed that night were Latino. As some, you know, my mom is born and raised in El Salvador. I'm mixed, but I'm very much in touch with my Latino roots and of of anyone, I should be, you know, speaking up about this. If anyone has an obligation to speak out about this, I do because these are people who looked like me. These are people who looked like my family. Um, so 49 people were killed that day. 49. And we are going to read every single one of their names um, on June 12th when we have our vigil at Dolores Park at 7 p.m. Yeah, I'll definitely have to be there for that for sure. Yeah, please come. It's Again, we've come so far as a community. We've come so far as a movement. However, we have so much more work to do. We have so much more fight left that we can't get complacent. And we do have to stop to remember the people, the ancestors, the the ones who are ancestors who are no longer here with us. The vigil will be a great place to do that. 
what's your campaign website? Where can people uh, find out about what you're doing and, and your events and stuff? www.ec4sf.com. When you join our email list, you will be taken to a list with um, a list of all our events on our mobile. Oh, fabulous. Perfect. You can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Curry SF. Thank you for joining us tonight on Baytime. Absolutely. A pleasure like always. Sorting through emotion, drugs, pills, and potions. I'm fighting with my demons tonight. Addicted to the feeling, higher than the ceiling. I'm chasing down a savior tonight. Baby, baby, won't you come see me? Baby, won't you come see me? Poyo, we made it. It's almost 2 a.m. here on the West Coast, and uh, this Beautiful. is the first ever nighttime on Baytime. We chatted with Todrick Hall. Uh, we've chatted with Eric Curry. It's appropriate that we would have an aspiring queer politician on the Pride Month episode, the beginning of Pride Month, because Pride at its heart is a political statement. And I want to remind people of that because the reality is I have been exhausted over the 15 years of being Poyo Delmar by Pride. But it was a few years ago when I left a Pride event to do a drive down to Los Angeles and found myself in the middle of nowhere with like remaining glitter and eyeliner on and felt so uncomfortable and so out of place that it reminded me that there are people, Christopher, who live in places like that bumfuck, the middle of nowhere, where it's isolated and they do not have the comforts that we have living in San Francisco where we feel safe and we do not spend every moment of our life feeling vulnerable just by being authentically ourselves. And those are the people for whom we have these pride events, you know, and, and for queer kids that, uh, that exactly are, to, to, to be an example. Absolutely. And sad reality that we face is when we start to sort of think about those kind of people who live in a position of vulnerability or 
unable to be authentically themselves, we always want to imagine it's somewhere far flung, like, oh, you know, it must be horrible in South Dakota or, oh, some other country where rights are not guaranteed to people. But the fact of the matter is that I felt that way two hour drive from San Francisco, you know, at one o'clock in the morning when I knew I was going to be on the road with no cell phone reception. And, you know, it does not take very far outside of the urban bubble of San Francisco to for it to become reality to say slap yourself in the face right here's what you need to know from us here on baytime i like to think that somewhere uh in any town usa there is a a queer kid listening to this show right now possibly in secret um just know that it does get better as cliche as that is and um you know your auntie poyo is here for you the interesting thing about that statement though chris is that just this past week, a, a very good friend of mine who had lived here in San Francisco, who was uh, an emperor of San Francisco, we've talked about the imperial court system here in the Bay Area on this show, and he had moved to this place in the middle of somewhere in Colorado, very fairly rural. He works on a, a ranch out there, and he and his partner live, and they're having a delightful time, but they recognize that it's a far cry socially from what it is here. And he encountered a woman who was experiencing um, some concerns about her son who's in the process of coming out and has experienced some of the things that so many of us do, which is the undermining of his self-esteem and self-confidence and feelings of isolation and feelings of being displaced in the community where he lives and all of these things. And so my friend Paul had reached out and said, hey, you know, I would you be willing to, and I, the only reason I'm telling this story because I didn't do it for any kind of publicity was because you mentioned it, but would you be willing to film a little video for him to encourage him and try to cheer him up? You know, I talked about how the things that people might say about members of our community or us as individuals, other people's opinions cannot undermine what I know to be facts about myself. Correct. You know, your opinion of me does not change what I know to be fact. Lies or gossip or all of these idle things that are intended to demean and attack me those can be hurtful, but they do not change the reality of what I know to be truth about myself. And I think that for individuals who do feel like I did when I was 15 and 18 and whatever, which is, I felt like the only gay in the whole world. There's a decent chance you're not the only one on your block. Come out, come out wherever you are and join us. It's Pride Month here on BFF.FM on Bay Times. On Bay t- on And on Bay Time. <laughs> Poyo Delmar, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back in one week. Look for us next Thursday, midnight to 2 a.m. with On Bay Time. More surprises to come. Happy Pride. Take care of yourselves. Hug people that are vaccinated. You know what? If you're fully vaccinated, the point of that is I thought to be able to interact with the world again. Can I have a hug, Poyo? No. (laughs) Good night, everybody. See you next week.